Welcome to the Risk and Review Podcast, episode number 54. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I'm here, as usual, with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter. Hi, Rob. Welcome. Glad to be here. Uh, Peter, we have a special guest. We do. The long-awaited arrival of senior reporter, Michael Heller. Michael, welcome. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Mike, we have been talking about having you in here for quite some time, and we're thrilled to have you here, but... Obviously, it could be under better circumstances because we are talking about what else? What else has been going on in the world of InfoSec the past week? We're talking about the WannaCry ransomware worm and all of the all of the drama around it. And there's been a lot of drama. Uh, and I'll just do a quick recap. I'm sure everyone probably listening to this knows. I mean, this really has been one of the bigger stories to to happen. And well, I mean, I, let me ask you guys, Mike. As the news reporter, is this one of the bigger things that that you've covered for us in your time here that you've seen? It feels like this has been pretty, like it's everywhere. It's like in national news, it's it's all over the place. It definitely has been one of the bigger ones that I've covered, mostly because not only is it such a widespread worm, it's hitting you know regular news so. You know, you're going to get the call from your mother-in-law saying, what, what do I do here? But then it also goes back to all of the other bigger stories that we've had over the past year with the NSA leaks and the shadow brokers and indeed every, every bit of mess that happened. Yeah, yeah, it touches a lot of areas. And, and I'll, I'll do a quick recap here. So what was it, last Friday, Peter? We were sitting down in the in the studio talking about, oh, look at this, this is a, a ransomware attacks on some hospitals. And so reports emerged early last Friday that several hospitals in the UK, uh, National Health Services, NHS hospitals, had been crippled with ransomware. Uh, our colleagues over at Computer Weekly across the pond had a story on it. It's later discovered that there were more ransomware attacks and it was attributed to a ransomware worm dubbed uh, WannaCry. And there are other names for it though, right? I mean, other sort of... Yeah, there's it, all variants of WannaCry. WannaCrypt, WannaCryptor, WannaDecryptor, yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, they just gotta stick to one name. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, it was discovered that the WannaCry ransomware, a ransomware worm was behind this. It was, and more importantly, it was using a a Windows, Microsoft Windows SMB uh, exploit uh, known as Eternal Blue that had been divulged not too long ago uh, by the shadow brokers, as you mentioned. And luckily, upon uh, the disclosure and, and data dump of that flaw, we later learned that Microsoft had already patched it, and we wondered why it had already patched it. We said, hmm, that's interesting. So... And I think at last count, you said how many um, how many organizations had been hit? It was it was two hundred thousand systems. Yeah. Now it's now it's over three hundred thousand. Uh, last I heard, it was over one hundred and fifty countries. Mostly Russia. Yeah. Some most are saying right, and it started to hit China over the last couple of days, and just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. So before we get into the the initial discussion points on this. Thoughts about this beyond sort of the scope of the news, Peter? What was your, what's been your 
reaction to this? I mean, I know what your reaction to this has been. I've seen you in the office. Uh, and you know what my reaction has been. I'm, I'm ready to jump into the bunker. But every time we hear something new about this one, it gets worse. Yeah. So there's, there, there's, there's not a lot to be optimistic about here. Yeah, it's a weird one because it it it's caused a lot of devastation. But correct me if I'm wrong, guys. It's it's not overly sophisticated. It's not one of the. It's not a uh, a Stuxnet. This is literally uh, basically ransomware code. That's that's it's a variant of existing code. If I have that correct, that they basically whoever the attackers were, you know. They used a worm to spread it, and they used an existing exploit, which is public, that everyone knew about, and they sent it off into the wild, which I suppose anyone could have done had they have entry-level skills in this regard. So it's not that sophisticated. I don't think that's a positive. <laughs> Definitely not a positive. <laughs> I, yeah, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is there's been speculation that this is, that, that, that the whole WannaCrypt, that WannaCry was... Uh, an amateur amateur hour that yeah. some of the, some of the their techniques were not really that sophisticated, which says to me that who knows what's going to look like when sophisticated actors take this up and after they've seen the success that that this has had. Uh, although on 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 the optimistic side, I have to say that the odds are good that there will be. Uh, more remediation as more and more people either get rid of their old unpatched systems or patch them. Yeah, and that brings up a, 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 an important point, we should say, Mike, you wrote about this. Uh, Mike, you wrote a story about this, about how Microsoft took an unusual step in sort of addressing the issue with the WannaCry ransomware, where they, I mean, they, they issued a security patch not just for their existing supported systems, but for Windows XP and Windows Server? Windows XP, Windows 8, and Server 2003. Wow. So legacy systems that are still out there running critical infrastructure but have not been patched against this vulnerability. And I mean, the, the problem is we just don't even know how well supported these are by the end users. Right. I mean, it's it's great that they actually put out the patch, but nobody's going to patch these systems because they're lost in a bunker somewhere. Yeah. Were you surprised that Microsoft did that? Because they, they typically, and I don't know if, if, they, if they've ever really done this before, were you surprised that they did it? I was surprised, uh, but as Peter said, every time we hear something new, it gets even worse. And it came out just a couple days after that that the data or, you know, analyzing those patches they had made them in february yeah and then just never released them so it seems like they just made patches for every system all at the same time only released the ones for supported systems and then i guess sat back and waited to see if there was going to be an exploit yeah that's that's i mean i give them credit for doing what they did in releasing patches for systems that they didn't that everyone knows they shouldn't be using they should be off of those systems uh, but the they understand the r reality I mean that like you go to a doctor's office you go to a hospital they're still using Windows XP there you know it's so 
it's a reality. So good for them for issuing the patches. It's it's odd though, given the stakes, that they didn't, like you said, that they didn't just release them when they developed them and that they waited. This could have been conceivably prevented, but it it, it could have been lessened. Lessened. I don't know about not that. entirely. Yeah, definitely pre not prevented. prevented. We we know that patching is is never that good. I mean. There were the patches for supported systems were out, but they still got hit as well. Yeah. So, and that's so I, I definitely want to get into that more in the first the discussion for our first part here. But the backstory on this is the Shadow Brokers release their or they they in January and we covered this in a previous episode, Peter. In January, they they tweet out through their Twitter handle a list of just the exploit names that they have and that they're threatening to release eventually. And one of them is Eternal Blue and there's Eternal Romance and Eternal, I don't remember a few of the other ones. Uh, so they, they tweet that out in January. February, Microsoft cancels Patch Tuesday for the first time. Also in January, US CERT put out that's and right. the warning saying you should not be uh, using SMB V1 that is anymore. A, that is a great point. You should so disable that, it right now. You, you should. You should. Yeah. So it's like they knew what was coming. I yeah. They and knew it was coming. They 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 knew it was coming out, but they were maybe hoping that if they issued the patch, then nothing bad would happen before uh, issuing the 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 updated version patches because if they had issued the outdated version patches ahead of any kind of use of the exploit they signal that they've that they've known about, they've it. Known about it so it do you think that's why they didn't do it though i mean doesn't everyone know now i mean you you're writing about this or you wrote about it with the there was a washington post story that laid this pretty bare uh and not only that but the uh, Microsoft president and chief legal officer, Brad Smith, has been outspoken on a number of topics regarding the government and vulnerabilities in encryption. Had a pretty scathing blog post about about this practice of hoarding vulnerabilities and not disclosing them. And uh, it, it's essentially, you know, coming clean and saying, yeah, the, the NSA, the government had this exploit. They told us about it after the shadow brokers, you know, said that they had it, and that's when... Even that's questioned. Uh, yeah, the, I know. The it, Washington Post report said that the NSA told Microsoft in August of last year. In August of last year, that's right. So it was even before the name was published of those exploits like Eternal Blue, Eternal Romance. Yeah. So, so, so on that subject, though, so this was, as we said, this is a huge story. It was a bad attack. It affected... You know, uh, hundreds of thousands of systems, hospitals. Hospitals were, 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 you know, essentially stopped dead in their tracks by these attacks. And as, you know, I, I, I've said a number of times as we've t talked about it, we've written about this. There are cyber criminals out there, a lot of cyber criminals, who will not take that step. They will not do a ransomware attack or bring down a hospital in any capacity. They don't want to cause loss of life. There's a line that a lot of these guys won't cross. Whoever's behind this attack either didn't care or this got out accidentally and 
it affected these hospitals. It was a huge problem. So do you put this, the, the, this attack where we are today with this? Is it more on the companies that failed to upgrade beyond Windows XP and apply patches from two months ago? Or is it more on the government for allegedly hoarding this vulnerability for, I think they, they've said that, the reports are that they've had it for a couple of years, 2014. Well, they, they supposedly patched their own systems against this vulnerability and, in and, 2014. In 2014. They could have reasonably had this exploit far longer. Far longer, because yeah, because SMB v1 is... Ancient. Ancient, exactly. So what, I mean, so so who who who's at fault here primarily, and is it, or is it an even split? Hmm. There's, no one is blameless in this. I mean, obviously, to a certain extent, you know, it, you can't help but run legacy systems in certain scenarios. If there's no patch, there's no patch. But at the same time, most of these enterprises probably don't need SMB v1 enabled in the first place. But then again, you know, the, the NSA should not have, they knew how terrible this, this exploit was. They knew how dangerous it was. Yeah. I guess the, the Washington Post claimed it was nicknamed uh, Eternal Blue Screen because they had to modify it so it wouldn't just crash systems completely. Yeah. Peter, thoughts? Well, whoever it was that created the, the malware and set it off, whether on purpose or by mistake, I, they, that, that individual or group has to take some has to take significant responsibility. Yes. But yeah. Whether it was North Korea or whoever they're or saying it was, no, we don't know. The attribution, time. yeah, is, is sketchy on this at best. Yeah, I mean, whoever it was, yeah, they 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 shouldn't have done it. And that said, I don't know, shared blame all around. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, you you can't blame the users. You can't blame the people that own the systems, but you sort of can. Because there, it's like driving a car from 1910 that doesn't have airbags, doesn't have proper seat brakes, seat belts, rear view mirrors, windshield wipers, steering wheels. They use rudders, you know, or your tillers. Yeah. So if you're using outdated equipment to do mission critical stuff, you're going to get you're going to get uh, the consequences from that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you're a hospital and you spent a lot of money on these systems 20 years ago or 15 or 10 years ago, and they all run XP, and the company that you bought them from that guaranteed you that they would take care of all your security, well, they've gone out of business eight yeah. years ago. So what do you do then? And you've got this big investment in this equipment, and there's no way to fix it. Yeah. Um, at the same time, well, Microsoft, you can blame them because they because 20 years ago they didn't come up with a mechanism to, to do automatic upgrades. I, I think I have a developing opinion on this. I think I think a light bulb kind of went off in my head. See, I knew I knew talking with you guys in here would, would help me hash this out in my head because I really wasn't sure where I, I, I came down on this. But I, I leave Microsoft out of this mostly because anyone that makes software products, anyone that makes any type of IT systems, you're going to have vulnerabilities, you're going to have flaws, you're going to have stuff that you need to patch and, and 
and correct. And yeah, SMB1, there, there's no reason for it to be enabled by default on, on modern systems. And I know that that was addressed not too long ago, but I guess where I come down on this is, is if you're a hospital, like this isn't just a question of eternal blue. If you're running Windows XP, you know it's not supported at all, like against anything. Uh, and it's not just a question of an old vulnerability that should have been patched and oh, the NSA was porting it and that was, that was wrong of them. And, and definitely, I have no love for that. But at the same time, if, if, it's not, if it's not eternal blue today, it's going to be something else tomorrow or the next day. If you're on Windows XP or you're on Vista or God forbid you're on Vista, but you know what I'm saying? Like, and if you're, if you're, I know, I understand legacy systems, especially old medical devices, your, your, your hands, your hands are tied. Like you don't, you don't have a lot of flexibility. The guys, our, our, our colleagues at, at Search Health IT have written about this extensively. It's very hard to upgrade out of these old outdated systems, but at the same time, if you if you put off that, if you if you put off the upgrades, if you put off the, the, the patching and moving off of these unsupported systems, this is inevitably going to happen sooner or later. Uh, and I guess I pr I put more of the responsibility for the current situation on that than I do the NSA hoarding the the actual exploit, which is still totally wrong. And I don't even know if I could put a number to it. Maybe sixty forty. 60 on the side of the companies that are still using XP. Like, I, I just, I think you're taking too big of a risk. And I, I obviously IT is expensive and it, it takes a lot to, to rip up legacy systems, but you're just, you're playing with fire. And these places got burned. It's not that I don't have sympathy for them, but geez, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, like, I, like patching and upgrading, it's painful. Like we hate it. Like we, us here, we work for a tech company, we have to do it, but it's better than the alternative. It's better than having ransomware completely ransack your, your, your systems and your company and shut you down for days and God forbid lead to loss of life or something horrible like that. So I don't know. Did I persuade either one of you? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, what, what you got me thinking is these if you're going to hoard vulnerabilities like that, it's kind of like biological warfare, and oh, yeah, and if you if you have these things that people can walk in and out of the labs with a thumb drive and be able to to carry out gigabytes worth of, of hacking tools and and cyber weapons, then you need to have more better protocol to protect them. The same as you would for for a bio weapon. Yeah. Um, and I think we have. To, I think this is a wake-up call to get serious about controlling cyber weapons with at least as much uh, oversight and and uh, and discipline as we do with nuclear or bio or chemical or whatever it else. Which, of course, we're not supposed. You know, we're not supposed to use these things because they because a bio weapon or a chemical weapon and it gets out of gets out of your control and it's like it's off the hook. Yeah, I'm going into my bunker right now. You got me scared. <laughs> yeah, see the one one problem with the analogy toward with bioweapons and nukes is that this is digital. 
Yeah. This is not a physical object that you can keep hold of. There's no way that you can put in any type of security or policies in place to make sure that it never gets out. It's always going to get out. Maybe the issue is more when you let them go. There's never going to be a shortage of vulnerabilities to be exploited. Right. The NSA, I mean, Microsoft puts the end of life dates on all these systems out years and years in advance. Yep. So maybe the NSA or intelligence agencies just disclose them when a patch is still a possibility? Yeah, maybe. It's a possibility. You bring up a good point. That that brings us to the second part of our discussion, which now that I'm thinking about it, maybe we should split this into two. We have a lot to say, yeah. don't we? I mean, I definitely have a lot to say. <laughs> well, we'll do that. We'll split this into two and, and start a new one here. Uh, well, thank you for joining us in this the first part of this podcast discussion on Wanna Cry and all the drama around it. Mike, thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Peter, as always, for joining me in this uh, in the bunker in Chernobyl. Always glad to be here. And uh, stay tuned for part two of this podcast discussion on WannaCry. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.